Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the very, very first podcast, right? This is like the, or video cast or whatever. They did both, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So what, where, how did we get here, Loretta? How, how on earth did we get here? Gosh, it's a long story. Um, it's not a long story in some ways. It can be as long or as short as we want, just like our project. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds really glib. Um, it's been touch and go for a while, but... Uh... I don't know. Where, where did we where start did it, anyway? Yeah, where did it start? Because like it now ago. feels like a bit of a blur. It's, it's going at a bit yeah, of a speed. It feels, it feels like we cast around for a long time as to what the project should be. And everyone wanted to do robots. And I was like, oh my God, boys want to do robots. <laughs> do you remember that? I, did, I, I barely. Where, where did it? And then you. Yeah. I can't remember what was happening before it was a robot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was about bats, but you know that's ancient history. Oh yes, yes. No, the bats. Isn't no, that still now. on the? Wait a second. Yeah. This is still on the Miro board. So I'm going to bring up the Miro board. <laughs> it was. It was about bats for a long. The time. The giant flying bats that you 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 fly on. You ride. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so oh, I remember. Okay. And and then like the minute we started talking about this like very Pixar inspired short story. You asked me to write a short story about robots because everyone wanted to do robots. For some reason, everyone was really- That was the thing we had in common, and particularly because I think, I think we were all saying they're relatively point, easy to build and work with. Like we're not, it's not like animating yes, an animal with yes, fur or something. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That was our thinking. And I remember Fred suggested we do robot bats. And I was like, flip the table, robot bats. <laughs> I remember um, being like, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I can't deal with Fred's ideas. And then we came to this idea about um, the robot and how it's really lonely and uh, to base it in something domestic and relatable and kind of have an emotional core. And that's where it really took off. Yeah, you're right. I guess the thing I forgot about um, was that, the, I mean, this is still called Project Reillusion because we saw, do you remember we, a couple of us saw that there were, there was money to be had. If yes. you used Reillusion for a project, they yeah. potentially you could kind of get some funding to help the project. Yeah. So it was yeah. a, that seems like a good excuse. We could split a little bit of money between us, you know, yes. who wants to have yeah. fun. And then suddenly, yeah, as you're saying, suddenly that, sort of started to snowball um but yeah this is i think these were the original some of the original things that we we said hey let's all throw some references on miro mm. and share them um there were a lot of droids a lot of sci-fi for some, some reason was quite moody. everyone everyone was really into sci-fi everyone wanted to do sci-fi and uh, that was the common thing wasn't it yeah, um, yeah. I think the really interesting thing is that like technology and ai were themes in the story 
And then we ended up using, like, I mean, obviously we're using technology where AI actually becomes part of the design process. Yeah. So I feel like we're, it, it's kind of really weird. It's very much. Yes, yes, um, yes exactly. Exactly. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'm going to write it down. Do you, so one of the things we were, we'd come up with early on was this idea of um, we'd hit across solar punk. I, di I didn't, I wasn't aware of solar punk. You told us about solar punk, um, Loretta, I think. Yes. Um, but then when we started to look into it, there was this mixture of, we started to come across things like um, uh, some of the architecture from Star Wars that had a mm -hmm. kind of Italian or Rena European Renaissance style to it. Um, we started discussing that we didn't want something dystopian. We didn't want to go, you know, black and moody, but something um, not that it was particularly uh, steered towards Afrofuturism or anything, but just that post dystopian like people who have uh, how do you, what is life like when we we don't assume ai is going to come and get us in some way um, a, ref yeah. a refreshing take yeah a refreshing take. and then do you remember this it turned out to be like a, some sort of yoga advert do you remember there was this animation that turned out to be a yoga advert or something that people kept referring to as um as it was a bit of a touchstone this is from the same animation so it's a bit of a touchstone this is very studio ghibli inspired yeah. thing yeah. But it turns out it's for Chobia yoga or something. Yeah, I think I think that we wanted something that had weight that yeah. wasn't uh, saccharine. And that was saccharine, wasn't it? That was like a group of people playing in a field or something and, and, and uh, living perfectly. We, we kind of wanted a balance between something that was believable because it's not too saccharine yeah exactly but also yeah. not so grim as to be emo you know because yeah. emo is very embarrassing yeah um yeah you, you want know, to you want a kind of sci-fi that everyone can identify with like everyone yeah. would want to be a yeah. part of yeah. yeah so i think it was nice that we 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 tried to ground the ideas uh, a little bit after that we tried to grind the ground the ideas in terms of um i was putting up things like product designs that were that were future facing yeah, yeah. that led us to um robotics um we chef. talked a lot about robotics and machine consciousness and yeah. consciousness mm -hmm. generally um we talked about how we want to explore that relationship between uh, humans and robots and through that humans in the future yes. i think mm. that's I think that's what we settled on and we were all interested in this relationship yeah mm. and, and i can so feel it even now i can feel it pulling me when i sort of in my own mind when i go through a, an exercise of thinking about where the story goes it's very very easy to sort of to slip into that negative and and sort of put want to pit an ai against someone oh you know the, <laughs> given that opportunity it would turn bad or it would battle royale but, yeah but it would <laughs> yeah. it's that's why I think this is more interesting because it's it's this is harder one. Like, how do you get to something that doesn't feel like a saccharine yoga advert, um, but that is interesting and explores what we're talking about with our our future in terms of artificial intelligence? We should mention as well because he's not here for this, but um, working with the wonderful Rory, who's yeah. been doing all this great um, sound design yeah. research and looking at different techniques and feeding us um, some interesting stuff. Uh, to, to help inspire guy, it. Actually. He's really lovely. And it was tough. I think the beginning was tough, right? Because we, we wrote, how many are here? 
it was like 26 we plus wrote a lot of different things 10, we had all 20 odd sort of short stories that range from like one sentence to a paragraph or two um that were trying to we were just trying to find something that we could all I thought it was like we were trying to speed date with each other and trying to figure out what we're all about, you know, yeah, like try and get yeah, the, what are you into? What, what you got, you know. <laughs> I think we were, and I think it was it was a good, nice way to get stuff out. It was a nice way to just kind of loosely, I guess, do it from the ground up. There wasn't we yeah. knew where we wanted to go. Everyone felt strong about the sort of solar punk direction. But we we then came back, didn't we, and said actually something's not right about it. It's like we said, it's too saccharine. And but I think. I, I have a feeling right it was it was you writing something that was that we were trying to that's the thing is it was very chicken and egg back then as well yeah so how do you how do you write the story before you can see something and how do you see yes. something before you've got story yes. how did we break that yes had it from your perspective because i think you guys you've both been driving so much of this from a loretta from a from a literary point of view and um fred from a visual point of view what what changed what was what changed? How did we get past that chicken and egg problem? I think for me, it's always getting over that fear that you're going to do a lot of work and then it's going to be thrown out. I think that right. it's about um, like loss aversion and mm. getting rid of that fear of loss. Uh, yeah. As as an artist, um, because obviously every time you write something and you spend lots of time crafting it. Yeah. You feel very attached to it. However, it's something that you can't have when you're working in a group, which I think is great practice for when we have jobs, because mm. that's just that's just being an artist in in a studio, right? You just and I think I think it's yeah. Go on. I was gonna say for me the second point at which I was like, bam, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I love this project. I'm gonna go with it to the ends of the earth. Is when Brad came up with these images from the AI, which again, like we said, is very meta because we're 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 writing a story about uh, artificial intelligence and how forward facing it is and our relationship with it. But mm. we're at the same time artistically exploring what our relationship with this algorithm is. And yeah, that's that's very true. I'm gonna yeah, let me a, let's... yeah, it's a weird relationship, isn't it? It's like um but I kind of think it's like uh, getting extra RAM for your brain, for your imagination. Yes. It's like you could yes. you get like a graphics card in there, so you, you do this thing, and then and it's it's almost like it's, it's exactly. still you doing it. Yeah. But it's like you know you just get a bit of an extra an extra helping hand. I think so. Let, let's try. Let, I mean, let's. I've got this on screen, um, and I think this is an interesting point because some people might not be familiar with it. So we can talk about it for the for the for the audio. Yes, uh, side, but we can we've got this on screen um which if people are watching on youtube this will be kind of more interesting so um talk fred can you talk a little bit about mid journey why you even started using it um and what it can actually do let's sort of talk about some of the things we can see on screen here for instance uh i was one of the people that were really late coming to mid journey um I, I heard about it a couple months before i started using it mm -hmm. and it was just one of those things that was just oh yeah i'll get around to, i'll get around to it and if, if anybody else listening is thinking that you're making a mistake you need to jump into it immediately mm. um because it's it's literally um it's infinite in its capabilities like it's getting better every day but there's just so 
varied um, in terms of just like realism is, is a considered an art style. You type in realism, you'll get a photograph of something. Uh, and just to have that power, just to say like, oh, okay, I need to see what this would look like. And you can do it. Um, honestly, I think it's going to be one of those things that we're not going to know what we did without this thing. Like we're going to get so used no. to it that we're, we're going to be like, how did we manage without it? Um, so it I artists think, used to have to do this, you know. <laughs> I, I, I tried it first and muck, mucked around with it, I think. And then I think uh, I, I, I was trying it while we would sort of, and it wasn't, we weren't thinking as it of it as something to use for this at the time because I think we, or were we? Because I no, because I, I remember trying to get something out of it and I just wasn't able to do it, and I think I I lost interest and I thought, well, I, I'm not going to spend the money every month doing it. And then you were much more determined than I was, Fred, and you kind of came back to it a few times um, and started to produce this um, really interesting. Uh, really about. I think it's worth saying that you for anyone who doesn't know you just go into discord and then um, you go into discord if you don't already have discord sign up yeah you yeah, sign into sign discord which is uh, just a sort of chat thing and you're chatting with a bot and that bot is taking your that your request your prompt your art your imagine prompt um, and there's the on the screen now there's some prompts here so there's to get a very sort of uh, naturalistic looking um, bunny rabbit stood up that on his so back cute. legs. That is the cutest little thing. <laughs> backlit and dressed like an astronaut, but without the helmet on. And it's a beautiful image that you, I, if someone showed me that and said, this took a CG artist, you know, days to produce, I would have said, okay, then yeah, probably. And all someone did to create that image was type the words tiny, cute and adorable astronaut bunny, comma, Jean-Baptiste Mange, anthropomorphic dramatic lighting and if you type that in you will end up with and possibly they've then clicked on a variation or they've you know changed it because you get that option to do variations in in uh, half the work is working out what prompts work and then yeah it's just choosing the variation sometimes you have to go down the river a little bit and then you'll get something like ah that's good so it's worth saying that we can, I mean, again, I was going, we, you've, you've, I'll throw some of these up on, on screen, but we'll talk about them as well. But we've, you've now, Fred, been able to produce with Mid Journey some pretty amazing landscapes um, and some pretty amazing um, images that have really inspired us to, to help us hone in on something. Um, Loretta, do you want to talk about what it is that we feel we've honed in on? now that we when we see this red house for instance we've got this lovely right. um, sort of house on a shelf at this frontier house can you talk a little bit about that sure from a story perspective uh we've really honed in on the sense of alienation and isolation that is mm. the zeitgeist of this particular moment in time we've just come out of isolation and this picture really spoke to us of that loneliness and it goes to the core of our story about a lonely droid who is anticipating uh, rejoining with, with this family that has bought the house. Um, and I think that alienation is a big theme in sci-fi. Uh, and I just feel like visually exploring it in these color tones, in these shapes, it just feels like it's coming together in a really beautiful way. It does. I suddenly, I think this this was the image that you, Fred. Do you have any recollection of what you typed into Mid Journey to get this out? Ah, 
I said something along the lines of, you know, I can actually check for you. Um, but I can give you the actual answer for that question. Uh, I well, just need to go well, to you. While Fred is checking, I just wanted to say something about um, how I was reading a book about transhumanism and what it means to have um, enhancements on the human body or mm. as a human being. And the concept of being better because of your tools goes back a, a very long way mm. in the sense that um, when the first human made the first ax, uh, the ax shaped human history as well as humans shaping axes. Mm. So it's always mm. been this back and forth. And you see that mirrored back and forth between Fred typing things in into mid-journey and mid-journey spitting things back out. And then it, there's a lot of articles out there about you know the, the, the nadir of creativity because we've got all the stuff. It's, mm. it, it isn't, it isn't. It, it's not any more than a human writing something on a notebook because a notebook is the first iPod. A notebook yeah. is the very first prosthetic. So I, I think it's, it's the, like Fred said, it's the burgeoning, the, the sunrise of a new kind of creativity rather and than I, a new And I think to that point, what interests me most is that Fred, I remember when you produced this image and I've got, we've got recordings of those meetings mm. where I think we, the rest of, I think you saw this separately to maybe some others, or maybe it was a droid you saw separately. I, I, there's, there's a recording I've, I've looked at again where there's a, like a collective gasp of like, oh, that's it. Yeah. And you can feel the inspiration, but this, this image is done without ego, without, it's not to say artists necessarily have one, but you're, there's no, no one's offended and nobody's sort of, um, you know, there's no struggle in there to just say, well, that didn't work. Let's type something else and we'll see what we get. And then the fact that you produced this thread, suddenly, I mean, there's lots of things about the image of this sort of red frontier house on another planet. It's sort of riding up on a, uh, it's like there's a house sat on a shelf. It has something very, to me, it looks like the cover of a sci-fi book from the sort of 60s or 70s. Actually, the, some 1920s comics still have that kind of right. look and colours. Yeah, so Very vibrant, really kind of interesting. A little bit No Man's Sky, people are familiar with that um, in terms of the sort of art direction. But it, it, it brought that into it. Suddenly we were able to, instead of trying to articulate it with words, we were suddenly able to point at something and, and we're suddenly able to say, hey, what are those pipes that Midjourney is stuck at the back? Maybe they do this. Maybe they transport, transport um, liquid. Or, yeah. And we've taken that image apart and then discussed what, okay, Midjourney hasn't sort of, doesn't understand what it's made in a way. There's no concept artist there to tell you Oh no, I drew this because I was thinking about that. So we've yeah. had to then impose back on this prosthetic, this creative prosthetic, what we think it's doing. And in that, that's extending our creativity through a kind of invention of... It's like having a dream. It's like you, yeah. you get imagery that doesn't make any sense, but your mind makes it make sense. And I, I personally, I see this as... Mid-journey is almost like a higher art form, and I'm not afraid of saying that because it's it takes the ego out of it. And the way it's it's iterative, it's like life, mm. it's like the way things evolve. It's like art is now evolving on its own. And when I'm putting in the words, I'm not putting in my own meaning of the words. The computer, uh, or sorry, the AI will 
analyze you know how images are tagged what what's uh, what does this word mean but it's not based on what i mean it's what mm. collectively as humans we've all agreed on that's the meaning of this word and that's how it's it's come through so it's almost like we're collaborating with each other um but you i'm, I'm collaborating with artists that have been dead for centuries because i can just type in you know van gogh and, and it will take the you know the style from that because it's all just mathematics i mean no one's going to argue that and here's um, here's there's a picture on screen now of, of the droid that um came out of i mean this was you were doing hundreds of these things and then this suddenly appeared and everybody we all had the same reaction to this one out of the hundreds that we saw we all had the same reaction to we have to do something with this um what is it what was it i think you you made some interesting comments at the time director what was it about this particularly we talked about it being a sort of nurturing but then this sort of we went from transhumanism to almost sort of trans i think what roboticism it is about, or something i think what it is about this image is the melding of the uh, artificial and the natural i think that the glass dome with the plants inside speaks to uh, a very uh sort of Christian idea, uh, philosophy of dualism, mm. how there's a, a body and a spirit, how um, there's something alive inside a any kind of frame. And um, in exploring the human relationship with robots, we are going to have to explore that anthropocentrism and that kind of projecting ourselves onto robots. Mm. Uh, in order to have this relationship with them, which is what the story is going to be about, our relationship with this with this droid and what it means to be having droids in our life, in our family. And one thing you mentioned recently that I I absolutely loved was um, in our in our Slack group was that actually because when we had a meeting, we'll talk about this in a minute, but we had a meeting with the architects uh, earlier this week, and one thing that came up was that this image actually the house isn't that optimistic architecturally because it's not combining enough with the with the environment the platform is the real thing that the is the key of that image i think yeah. everything else can be can be changed but the thing the thing that really stands out is just that the way that platform is and Noretta, you spoke about the tension the obvious tension there between you know you can be optimistic and go to other planets but we talked about there's this sort of reluctance to sort of get stuck in immediately um, and there's a little bit of that going on with the same robot as well. There's like a, there's a beginning there. How do we work together? How do we fit together? This is um, this is probably a good point to talk about um, the. Well, so while we're kind of recapping, we could now probably talk about the architect meeting that we had earlier this week, and you were there for half of it um Loretta or most of it I think did you did you uh, let's I'll let me I'll intro this a little bit and then and then we can we can discuss it but essentially we showed them a deck which is the, some of the stuff that's on screen right now um and we were we got to the point where we were looking at um architectural stuff and uh Fred you were getting these amazing images out of mid-journey uh, and then we've got these guys who are like architects who have been formally trained they're Italian, so you know, in their DNA is quality, you know, well designed. Yes. <laughs> their DNA is shaped like a Ferrari. Expensive, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and the nice thing is, is because we all work in the same tool or the same kind of couple of tools, that 
suddenly you know brings together this new opportunity for production design whereby you know you can actually use an architect who has an understanding of materials and for me that so many great things came out of that conversation and um very kind of them to produce uh you know these ideas these references and tell us about these architectural competitions and projects where people are trying to imagine what life might look like on Mars and what materials might be there. And Loretta, what did you get, what came out of that session on Monday for you? It was just a sense that we're all using the same prosthetic, going back to the idea of transhumanism. Mm. I felt like having this 3D engine join together architects, artists, game designers, filmmakers, it just felt like we were all on the same page and uh, we were all uh, using the same tools, but from completely disparate disciplines and yeah. so many. All the spokes on a wheel, you know, exactly. we're all doing something different, but we're all exactly. working together. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I just feel really privileged to be able to work with so many different people and the stuff that's coming out is really interesting as well their perspective yeah. on architecture and how it should or shouldn't, as it were, talk to the environment around it. Yeah. And mm. we came to the conclusion that we do want this kind of sense of alienation rather than a sense of uh, being a part of. So being a part rather than being a part of, because the story is about uh, two sides of, of humans coming together, like the stuff we create with us, the robots and the family. It has to start with an alienation feeling and then yeah. go towards a sense of being together. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what we said. And I think the the other, uh, Fred, you this came out of, do you want to talk about this image, where this came from? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, low-key in love with these ones. Uh, mm. I really like, um, it's just something... I like seeing when I'm watching movies, when I'm reading books, I like to feel like I want to be there um, a lot of the time. And when I see things like this, it's like, I want to live in this thing. It's like you get the, it's like a spaceship, uh, an RV, a luxury hotel. Uh, it's everything all in one and it floats around and it's yellow. But uh, no, I just, it's, it's very ambiguous. It's very modular. It looks like you could have a whole fleet of these and they'd all be different. Um, <laughs> And I think this this kind of image where the architecture is a part of its surroundings, the humans are a part of the robots they create. Yeah, that could be the end point for yeah. our film, the end point mm. for the story, um, where we find that harmony. And I think that harmony is a lot of what solar punk is about: finding that harmony between technology and humans. And there's a tension mm -hmm. when you're trying to find it. There's a there's yes. plenty yeah. there in terms of drama without having to fight an AI. Um, and have a you know the Terminator chase you and and you know or, or the thing try and escape or the sort of, sort of Pinocchio gone bad Frankenstein yeah all of that yeah. I, I don't feel like we need to go there I, I, the, that's like a cancer it's a natural thing but it's like a a bad natural thing yeah it's exactly like, I think this this with harmony in this respect it's a little bit like um, the path of least resistance. You know, if you look at like yeah. the prehistoric world where it's mostly carnivores eating each other and we've kind of tapered out into the system that's kind of like we've got species that only exist because they're helping other species. I was um, looking into, you know, what a keystone species is. Yes. Mm, no, I don't. Tell me. Well, Loretta does. A keystone species is a species that is essentially responsible for its environment. It, it has such an impact on its environment that if you were to remove it, 
countless other species would just die out. Oh, and right. beavers, beavers that you get in Canada are um, are a keystone species. They build environments. Uh, they keep fish populations in check. Uh, they stop flooding. They stop droughts. Um, I'm not sure they're aware they're doing it, but without them, you know. And I'd like to imagine that robots for us in the future would we would be designing keystone species to support us and our environment. Yeah. Um, their job would be to go around and do these things for, for humans to become the keystone species, or no? I think we would just. Uh, I think humans would take a back seat. I think um, we, we're we're animals. Uh, we're just we you know we're advanced animals, but we're, we're still just animals. And we all we really need to do is get up in the morning, eat, sleep, love, all that stuff. And we don't That's need life. the the system of it um, that, that we live in. And I think that a lot of that system and that responsibility can be alleviated from us through technology and and this machine but it has to work in a in a way that doesn't fight nature it's it's the same system yeah and that's it isn't it when we talked about that the the red house on the shelf the image um we it was challenged by one of the architects as being not optimistic enough we touched on this earlier mm. but it's for me I'd, I'd still stand by this idea from a um from the creative direction that this is going in to tie back to what loretta was just saying this is the beginning stage. You are cautious when you begin something. You don't know what your final form is going to be. So we, and that's led us, I think that's been a real milestone for me, is realising that the the image that you, um, what was it? It's um, James Cameron's, this was inspired by James Cameron's. Yeah, this one was uh, James Cameron's, uh, uh, Deep Sea Challenger, yeah, terraforming an alien world as the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Right. So that prompt, if anyone's got mid-journey, go and do those kind of prompts. You might get something similar. But that led us, when, and when the architects saw that, that, they both said, yeah, this is much more integrated. And it is. There's sort of these, you know, um, very futuristic looking buildings, but you, it's so hard to see where does the building end and the tree begin and everything is sort of, so entwined in a, in a very natural looking way compared to that image of the of the sort of red shelved house that's sitting atop sitting away sort of cautiously from the ground that it's around and it's not very well integrated yet but you have to go through that stage to get to the other stage you can't jump to that that end piece and i think you know there's there's tension and there's there's drama and there's story of how we do that and it's layered like you were saying before loretta we've got you know that's happening with physically literally with the house and the and the thing but when the the droids are arriving there's that same tension that exists between the droid and the family that are going to move into this frontier kind of home slash scientific observatory um because they're having to integrate they have to fit together how does a the droid fit into that family life is it just a servant does it become like a you know like a dog like part of the family we treat dogs like part of the family why wouldn't we treat an ai like part of the family um mm. in future i, I find those questions really you interesting. Know what? It's, it's you know what's funny is that this reminds me of the wild west like when the colonizers yeah. came over into the midwest and you know trailblazing and they did everything wrong they farmed wrong they traveled wrong um, everything that they knew about existing was just wrong in that environment and they, yeah, and they had to adapt. But 
if this is the kind of way it started, you know, like this is the equivalent of like one of those wagons that's just crossing the desert, you know, um, like the, the people coming to the you know, frontier for the first time. But then over time, they actually end up developing more of a Native American nomadic uh, living off the land kind mm. of thing, just more advanced in terms of like, uh, yeah, the tools are more advanced. But es essentially, the culture is the same. Um, it's uh, rather than industrializing, you look and say, oh, yeah. those people are living in a very balanced way with mm. their environment. Why don't we take a, a bit of what the best of what we do and the best of what they do? And why don't we try and move forward in a in a different way rather than this is not about brutal colonization of other planets. This is about a more considered exploration and and in that way avoids the sort of yeah, the, the I alien think this encounter. is probably logical. This is going to be logical because yeah. um we all we already know how easy it is to fuck up one planet. And we know how few planets are out there that we can live on. So we're not going to make the same mistake twice. So I think we're going to make that a real yeah. priority. It's yeah. taken us a really long time to find one. So um, yeah, just treat it with uh, treat it with with care. It's worth, I think, jumping on to the um, some of the droids. We've mentioned these a few times. So we we mentioned this one sort of opened up um, the one with a. It's got a glass domed head. Uh, and it's sort of nurturing these plants. The plants are starting to live inside it. And then we started to explore, you started to explore, Fred, these different um, places within the building where we're saying maybe, you know, the droids are the ones that are outside gathering some of the environment, bringing it inside, testing it, exploring it. What could be used for food? What could be used uh, as part of the environment? What's there just for... Um, because it looks nice or it you know makes the rooms nice, um, but it's not poisonous to people that kind of they're the canary box. in the coal mines they're the bottom yeah. Yeah. um do you want to talk about the meeting we had yesterday we can fill loretta in, in on this now okay, uh, where we so, spoke to a tech artist yesterday murphy do you know yes. murphy okay you know murphy cool um murphy uh can use houdini to do uh, to make procedural things. So we were talking about um, uh, initially. Actually, I thought we were going to be talking about doing the house, but the robot actually was much more appropriate for now. Um, we he's got a system that's uh, it's like a flow chart in Houdini, where you give it some basic elements like some heads, some legs, or whatever, and using some parameters that we predefine, he can randomly generate different robots that have similar appearances but obviously have different functions. Um, and yeah, we had a long conversation about that yesterday. The, the use case for it when it when we when we got it sorted is that we can then just use this to flesh out loads of different robot designs and then choose the best ones for the for the best thing, like a casting yeah. thing. Um, which is when you think about it, almost a, a much more efficient way than getting a concept artist to just do five or six or twenty or whatever. We can literally just go through as many as you want. Um, but then the other thing that we could do from that is um, NFTs. Um, you know, we could we could do generative procedural uh, artwork um, that's directly linked to the film. Let's but, address um, the collective sigh that might have happened to the two people, <laughs> one person that ends up listening to this, who knows? But some I know from having a, um, a podcast myself, um, mintedpodcast.com if you're interested, um, uh, which was exploring, it was my way of exploring what on earth is Web3 about, and I wanted to do that by finding out about the people behind some projects like how does this stuff work um and that's ongoing i'm still doing that and it's it's been very interesting but i've learned from that that the second you mention nfts you get a bunch of people who say scams trouble problems and other people who just think it's a sort of get rich quick 
people will just buy any old crap. Why are we, given that my entrance into that has been, I spoke to a lot of really interesting people. I spoke to the guy behind um, CryptoKitties, people who've worked on some really, really interesting and massive projects in Web3. Um, mm. Why might we go, why are we interested in going down? I think that opens up this, this conversation about spin-offs. Um, mm. why, does, why does that seem interesting to us? Well, I mean, it's new, isn't it? It's new. No. And to be honest with you, I, I don't have a VR headset. Um, and no. I, 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 I don't have all the latest kit, but I have a feeling that I'm on the verge of like, we're on the verge of like in the next five years, what we, how we use the internet is just not going to be the same. Um, it's like looking at a black and white TV. And I think that, you know, it's just getting yourself into that. But what, what I'm interested with the NFT situation is that, yeah, you've got like loads of, there's a lot of crap out there. And I'm like, there's just there so is a lot of crap out there. Yeah. Shit. And you're looking, you think, okay. Um, and you can imagine that this is like this tired artist that's like sweating and just like, I need the money, you know, and he's just like doing these terrible drawings and stuff. But then you get like projects which are, you know, web app based and, and they have some kind of like utility them that's it's, it's a game in itself, like crypto kitties, you know, but I feel like people can bring that a step further. I, I feel like there's like different tiers of what, what NFTs are. And I'd be like, yeah, we want to go for something that's a bit more um, experimental and think, see what can be done yeah, with it. You and I have talked about it definitely, but Loretta, where are you with it, with Web3 and NFTs? What's your feeling? Where are you with it all? I i don't have a hot take, unfortunately. I think that <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that I want to reserve judgment on. It's okay. too early to tell. That's, that's so, I mean, that's great because that means that... Um, you know, while some of us have sort of, we, we, that means we've all got, we're not all, this is what I love about this team is that we're, there's diversity in thinking already because it's, you know, those of us who might be kind of overexcited and, you know, want to sort of jump in and do something, we've got, we've got a voice of caution and reason uh, within the team is going to be like, ah, I don't know. And I think in needing to then discuss that, I think if we were just three people who were completely sold on it, we could easily do something, um, uh, you know, weird or, or not, I wasn't going to say dangerous, but risky is what I mean, um, mm. kind of financially or something. But um, it's it's worth, I think, talking just briefly about that that open that was one of the things that um i mean my my the direction i'm going in is to hopefully become a creative director at some point which, which i'm trying to do with this um and i think that that term for me doesn't limit itself to one medium or one format and i think it's nowadays and with the you didn't say the magic word metaverse a minute ago fred but that's where you were sort of circling that was the drain you were circling um, no that's a, that's a minefield i'm not going to say yeah, that yeah i definitely <laughs> recommend to anybody to read matthew ball's book on the metaverse because he knows what he's talking about he's it's it's very grounding as a book i've almost finished it but it's excellent really really excellent so if you i think we should all definitely read it and i think it just levels up the conversation he's very very much a sort of pragmatist and realist Mm. Um, the the point I'm sort of circling uh, at the moment is just that from a creative director point of view, I for many years this is true of me anyway. But I I wanted to blur the lines or just not see any between films and games and um, I mean I, I 
talked to Haz from uh, Hazamation, um, uh, and he, I showed uh, you, Fred. I think that you remember the. I was talking to you and Mario about the um, uh, their project where they're because um, they came on the Summer of Unreal course and 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 gave a little talk which was fascinating because they're using unreal to produce a game and an animation at the same time so mm. as they're doing the set design for one it's feeding into the other and the game and there's a very hand in glove way of doing it and i think that <clears throat> opens up so many options and like you said we we're we're talking to a tech artist who's producing something procedural in houdini that we can do in a very evolutionary sort of way and say right you know if these are the first droids what would the second generation of droids look like based on these pieces what would the third generation of droids be like and if you merge we were talking together? about hereditary gene genes exactly. like uh, with, within it so that you could breed robots if you like the this and this you know you could do that you could but, you um, could intermix it, them and i mean it's yeah worth mentioning as well that he did say um aside from doing procedural things like the robots or the architecture you can do procedural levels and logic yeah so we, yeah. we we could have a greenhouse situation where the robots are going around doing their plants and stuff and then we just throw in throw in a few wild variables in there um and you know we could we could have we could use that as a b-roll for some background scenery or we could actually have like a game you know we could build something into I mean, it, you know eventually the potential is because all of the stuff is there um and i know somebody who um a friend of mine who I used to work with at MPC, uh, who's made this um, amazing product called um, Shift, which is like a node-based tool that sits outside of Unreal and all these other tools. He, um, I know that people are using that. I can't name drop this, I don't think, but um, I know that people are using that to do um, things like uh, machine learning um, and evolutionary uh, that kind of analysis using um 3d so they mm -hmm. would make uh let's say you might be doing it for a um like whether it's a rumba or a driverless car instead of building the car and making it go around the street you just put everything into um, a physically correct situation and then you run a simulation and you see what that simulation does and then you you run another one but you need to procedurally keep adapting that situation and then feeding the information in, you need to throw a cyclist in front of the car and then, you know, oh, okay, I didn't get it. Why didn't we get it right? Let's make an adjustment inside the, um, the, the game engine and then let's run it again, let's run it again. So that, in theory, I, I think the idea of what you're saying, Fred, is the idea of setting up almost in a game, in a simulation within something like Unreal, setting up an environment and then having um, like robots like adapt rebuild themselves and and they change themselves so that the garden can be looked after almost you know an evolutionary sort of game yeah. what an amazing be, way to, to actually design robots it almost sounds like the proper way doesn't it it almost <laughs> sounds like the proper way yeah. <laughs> well, but that mean, would like, be like how design. animals are designed by natural selection yes yeah, yes. yeah we exactly. simulate that we exactly simulate like evolution that. yeah exactly. yeah exactly but these tools are within you know they're they're there for us to do it's just a matter of like having people to to kind of do them but that to go back to the other thing the spin-offs what are the other spin-offs that we've talked about because that suddenly i can feel that now going towards the game loretta and i we've had game conversations i know you two have had conversations about games and other things 
what 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 are you planning to to work on next week um that you've as both sort of caught your interest well fred and i were mm. talking about doing a comic together like a little mm. short story um i will i'll write the text and, and he he'll do some still images uh i was thinking about uh the idea of a roguelike uh involving terraforming venus and uh, how that would work, I don't know. Uh, it's still in the beginning stages, or even just a little platformer, a side scroller to go on the website. Uh, just yeah, yeah. fun to introduce all the characters, all the little robots. I mean, just different ways of interacting with the same narrative, right? You're, it's, you're, yeah, it's going to be nice just to have a just a an open conversation, yes. uh, and just to yeah. see where that goes. Because yeah. ultimately, like. The, what's really good about us spinning off and doing these little things is that we're world building yeah. without the pressure of it having to be a b c d we're going to yeah. get there collectively you know yeah. it's um whether this is something that's set before our story that's in the same universe or something that's within the universe maybe this comic book is owned by the child that's going to be moving to the house or yeah. um you know it could be anything yeah. um and I, we're going to be working as a team but at the same time there's going to be a third member of that team which is mid journey uh, and we're going to have yeah. to listen to mid journey because we can't control it uh, we can control it within certain parameters and obviously because we're going to be doing um, something that's going to be graphically edited on Photoshop, uh, I can mix things together um, and yeah, we're going to have a little bit of control, but I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have a conversation, then play around with mid-journey and then base the story off of what we see and then do some more images based off what we just said. So it's going to be like a back and forth thing. Yeah. We're going to find it. Because you're not going to be able to say oh, I want this camera angle and I want this person stood this far from the camera and that you're mid journey. You, you, yeah. it imposes things on you. Right. So I was going to mention this, whether you, um, whether you've seen this, have you seen this? Um, so I'm, what I'm showing at the moment is uh, Dali a few days ago and I missed it. Um, Rishi told you about it, told us about it on the, on the mastered Slack group. There's a new process called outpainting in um mm -hmm. dali and you can imagine this might come to mid journey so um basically if i press this you'll start to see an image gets made and then there's the possibility of essentially extending the image oh holy shit yeah <laughs> but then actually saying no i don't want that one i want this one this one this one so you can you actually have more control so you you find a starting point that works and then you're able to say okay <laughs> give me it's something amazing. there and you can just keep flicking the image until it's filled out what you want. And then you end up with basically that. <laughs> Which Did is... you guys ever um, see the IT crowd? No. Yes. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know the bit where the big boss gets the call that um, the police are downstairs. So he jumps from the top floor of his office building like to kill himself. Like I imagine this is like artists just finishing their like fine art degree. And they've just seen this and they're like, jumping out the window <laughs> like... the thing is i think this it's an it's a the point is it's not the end of concept artists i find that particularly between no, someone who's a got a good grasp of, of language has a an art background and understands because you need to understand what you're asking you for you need to articulate it's, it's like it. the invention of the camera it's like a camera made a new art form of photography it didn't remove the previous form of no. art if anything, it sort of helped combine it. And everything we're doing is a composite art form. We're using yeah. sound, we're using visuals, we're using literature, we're using different types of visuals, logic, 
Um, exactly. Yeah, and someone's yeah. ability to take what's there. I mean, if if you don't, we all recognize the girl with the pearl earring right in the middle. Mm. So mm. if you don't kind of have that, if you don't have an understanding of what it is, you wouldn't be able to ask for this in the first place. You wouldn't understand the style of lighting um, from that period of, of, of Dutch, the Dutch artist. You need to speak the language. Exactly. And then you can start to take that further. And now we're getting, and it's interesting what we're saying is, um, tying back to what we said at the beginning, the that back and forth, and what we keep saying is that back and forth, that back and forth is not is now just become two days ago, um, not just, um, you know, saying I want a, a girl with a pearl earring in the style of Vermeer, um, in a room with lots of you know this this has gone way beyond one prompt this is now a back and forth by saying mm -hmm. okay let's put a cabinet you can't quite say maybe let's put a cabinet here i don't think it's individual prompts or maybe it is but i'd be interested to know exactly how this works and i i can imagine this <laughs> the people who are behind mid journey are probably watching everything that's happening with dali and they're all you know borrowing ideas from each other so this again just opened up it's a whole very enabling workflow. It's very it's good. very enabling. We've seen people on LinkedIn. Um, you know, there was someone actually this morning, and I mentioned you in the in the thing this morning, Fred, um, mm. who's been figuring out how to do um like a comic or a storyboard consistently. That's that's what inspired me. Yeah, that, yeah. I saw that and I thought, you know what, we can do that. And yeah. I loved I love comics right now. I, I I'm not afraid to admit it. I used to read the Simpsons comics. Um, when I was a kid, because they just sold them at the newsagents. And I just loved it. I just, I, I like the, like, it was like what looking at um, uh, a storyboard for an episode, yeah. but it was in full color. And I just like the idea of like breaking things down and just the composition and just changing things around. But I was quite inspired by um, a film that came out a few years ago that I, I mentioned to you, Paul, the in, Enter the Spideyverse or Spider-Verse. Oh yeah, Enter the uh, Spider-Verse, amazing. The so good, one. yeah. And that art style, I just I love it because it's it's a it's like a, a it's collage incredible. of different art styles yeah. and and it works together and that's the thing with mid journey is that you're not going to be able to get exact results each time but if we lean into that and say well it's about variety yeah then I think we can get away with it so Loretta um, you were going to jump in I think that because we're wrapping up I wanted to end on a uh, note about how. Um, artists might climb to the top of the tower and throw themselves off because yeah. uh, there's so many of these tools. You read in, for example, Vice about how a lot of 3D artists are getting suicidal because oh wow, because of work pressures at mm. Marvel Studios, you know, big name uh, film companies that are pushing artists to do things um, without, what I want to say is, Everyone should read the book Who Owns the Future by Jared Lanier because it talks about how we should approach ownership and its relationship to artistic integrity or mm. dignity. Dignity, mm. human dignity is I think the 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 sort of touchstone. Um, and how how we value this artistic work as we go into the future, how we pay for it, how we value the people and protect them from being exploited is going to be mm. a question. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's, that's a good question. And it's an open question. We, yes. don't, we don't have the answer, but no. um, so, okay, just to sum this up, we've we started from an interesting place. We started just throwing some images into mid journey. 
a few of us met on a course, a mastered course, um, and that's expanded to people who are not in mastered, who is starting to help us um, um, talk to us as well. We're, we had this idea for a sort of 10 minute film that's come down to a sort of 30 second, 60 second thing that we want to just do to make something and kind of make this real. The use of AI mid-journey, maybe now we'll start exploring um, Dali and this con this idea of outpainting. Um, if if uh, <laughs> I've asked a couple of people if they can, if they've got it to to let me into Dali because I've been on the waiting list for a while. Um, and yeah, I think we're we're trying to discover a workflow that's that's real time um, that works for us that isn't just that sort of linear. Um, ideas first yeah it's not just hey here's a script let's make it now we're embedded in making it in that sort of linear vfx way which is which has worked so well for many years but to your point the rhetoric puts people under enormous pressure to finish a show by a certain time the producer really becomes like a midwife to the whole thing just you know demanding everyone to just push and do more and just get shots out um, the most heartbreaking thing for me is when I see something like a show or a film that I, I love and I love the cast, I love the right, I love everything about it. And then I go behind the scenes and find out that everybody had a really bad time making it. And it's just, it's heartbreaking because it's like, yeah. well, what was the point, you know? And when I think about like humans, we're quite impressed with how well humans are designed that most people seem to think that something designed us because we're so well designed, but we we didn't have an end goal in mind we've just been adapting and and making do and, and moving on and with no end goal in mind and i think that's kind of like what we're doing is that we haven't set in stone what we're trying to achieve yeah but we're working towards it building on what what came before and we'll figure um, the pipeline yeah. and the workflow and i think it is worth saying to balance this out as well which is there's always there's always bad press going to come up in pressured situation but we know that you know just into just like vfx there are other jobs in the world that where I remember when I was a teacher or thinking about people I know that work in, you know, the, the police or other services and all sorts of jobs and, you know, lawyers where people expect you to work incredibly long hours at crunch time. It's not only that industry. And I think it's fair to say that. Mm. And I must also say that doing a couple of years at MPC, I met some of the most creative, brilliant people I've ever worked with um, who were just, you know, whether it was their understanding of physics, their understanding of, of how to, of story, of how to put film together, who all came together in really, really difficult uh, moments to, to make films that go on to make millions of dollars. But it's, the, the, that cycle is, it's like a much faster version of, of a startup and a VC. You know, mm -hmm. VC puts, puts 10 million into a business because they, they really want to get uh, 100 million out. And it's the same with a movie. You put a certain amount in, you hope it's going to be a billion dollar movie at the box office, but so many of them lose money. There are these razor sharp margins that add to the pressure. But, mm. you know, from working a little bit in virtual production um, at NBC and seeing what's happened now and, and what we've learned with Mastered and seeing what's happening in the industry, reading Matthew Ball's book, working with you guys, this technology, this real-time technology is changing how we work it's that it's that back and forth again that we talked about that how we work with each other suddenly you can work in real time suddenly it's more collaborative it's not a case of well we can't see what this looks like with the lights because you know it's got to go to that lighting department and it needs to go through tech anim and um and fx before it goes to lighting or well, whatever it is now we can you know you can work on these things more collaboratively and, and sort of iteratively build up a scene 
and a shock. Technology is liberating us. It that's is. That's what it is. It is. Yeah. And that's what's making this, and the fact that we're, like you say, we're, I think there's a, there's a parallel with how we're doing it and what's in the story. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.